Amen. Thank you. Um, yes, we are still on the book of Acts of the Apostles. And um, for the benefit of those that may be joining us for the first time today, it's an interactive session. They are physically here or online. We'll get to a stage where we get to ask questions. And if you are online, you can send in your questions and by the grace of God, the questions will get to us. Amen. So we're starting, I mean, we're looking at Acts chapter 6, and we're taking verse 1 to verse 7. Just these first seven verses for today. Okay, we're reading from the New Living Translation. It says, But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. It's not today food has been causing problems. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we, have, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we, apostles, can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Hallelujah. Can you imagine converting a Jewish priest? Okay, so we, I'm sure we'll still remember what we talked about in um, chapter 5. And it was clear that the work of the apostles was obviously getting under the skin of the Jewish leaders. And um, they were probably having sleepless nights. Their tactics of intimidation obviously wasn't working. Now, the religious leaders were, they were apparently standing in opposition of the gospel. And the fact is, anyone that is standing against the church of Christ, anyone that is standing against the gospel, is an agent of Satan. Whether they know it or not, and this is what these guys were actually doing. They had tried all sorts. Intimidation. And it seems like every time they even beat up the apostles, they got bolder. Now, when we come to chapter 6, we see that their numbers had increased. And we all know what happens. The more people you have, the more issues you have to deal with. So there was discontent. There was grumbling within the church. And even the fact that it was the church does not make it strange that there was discontent. It happens everywhere. There is no perfect place on this side of eternity. And even this particular setting seems to have some form of uh, ethnic coloration. The Greek-speaking Jews versus the Hebrew-speaking Jews. Now, you see, 
we remember that, um, yes, their numbers were growing. They were operating a commonwealth system. Everybody was bringing what they had, contributing it together, and taking care of everybody. Therefore, not everybody was thinking along the same line. People, have their, people always have agenda. There's always personal agenda, irrespective of how um, pious everybody tries to be. There's always a personal agenda. We remember Ananias and Sapphira. They had a personal agenda. They wanted vain glory for themselves. So they, they, they figured that if we do it this way, we do it that way, probably we'll become popular. Anyways, and when things, when people gather, once there is an alternate agenda from the reason why they are gathered, it is a breeding ground. I mean, the enemy sees opportunities. You see, in um, 1 Peter 5, verse 8, from New Living Translation, the word says, Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around look, like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The devil may be a lot of things, but he's not a fool. The devil is always on the lookout, looking for what to do. Now, if the devil finds he cannot successfully attack from the outside, he will make attempts to attack from within the camp. All he needs to do is look for those that are willing hosts. And you see, the scripture didn't tell us it was any, any uh, person's fault in particular. It just says that they had issues. So the point is, they obviously had an administrative problem. There was a problem with their administration. And it posed a threat, a threat to what they were building. It posed a threat to their vision and their mission. Now, considering it was, um, they were all believers, but you had the Greek-speaking Jews complaining that the... Um, Hebrew-speaking Jews were neglecting their widows. Neglecting their widows, I mean, there could be a number of reasons that could have happened. Now, remember that the Hebrews, Hebrews always, I mean, God had special people. Before Jesus came, the Hebrews were God's people. Every other person wasn't seen as such. They didn't used to mix. And now, they are born again. You see, salvation comes, but the things that we have learned from when we, we, we were children, they just don't... For every, for when a man becomes born again, he becomes a new creature. But you don't forget everything that you have learned before. You don't forget culture immediately. It takes time. Now, these Hebrews were probably feeling uh, that they were the Omonilas in town. We own this town. So, I mean, these guys need to take whatever is left. Probably. It's also possible that since they were operating a commonwealth system, the Hebrew Jews were at home. They probably must have had more to give into the, the commonwealth post. And so, they must have felt entitled to the fact that, okay, fine. Since we are the ones bringing more, then we should probably get more. Now, the point was, they are different. They are from different backgrounds, and there's nothing wrong with diversity. Diversity can be an advantage or a disadvantage. It's a matter of choice, and you see, people struggle, communities struggle, where people don't see. Instead of seeing the advantage of what you have, people begin to see the differences instead, the disadvantage. I mean, they, they, they rather use the difference for the disadvantage. There was apparently um, a difference between these Greek-speaking Jews and the Hebrew-speaking Jews. And who even knows? Maybe it was just a case of plain selfishness. And when you talk of selfishness, you see, it's easy to point fingers at people that are selfish. You say that person is selfish. But the truth is, there's selfishness in everyone. And if we do not submit ourselves completely, if we do not allow the Holy Spirit to guide us, we'll act out our selfish desires in everything we do. 
And when I'm talking, when I'm saying selfish, I'm not talking of a tight-fisted, money doesn't drop kind of selfishness. I'm talking about a self-centered selfishness. You know, I mean, there are people that if their money doesn't drop, doesn't drop. It doesn't change anything from who they are. You know, you know some people can, they can hold water in their palm and from here to Ijebu, the, the water will not drop. <laughs> some kind of tight, tight hand. But that's not the point. I'm talking about people that are self-centered, insisting my way or my way, irrespective of who is getting hot. Me first. After me is me. You know, and that me factor can be a very big problem in a community. Because you see, especially where you are dealing with commonwealth, the person gets what he's supposed to get, and he also wants extra and extra to stash away, even if the others don't even get an opportunity to sniff. It's not the person's business. Me, 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 me. Look, there's nothing wrong with stashing up what you want to stash up. It's fine. Because what you have worked for and earned is yours. And it's your prerogative to do with it whatever you want. But when it comes to provisions that have been made for everyone, what you want should not take precedence over the needs of others. So you see, Greed and self-centeredness are the major reasons people end up hoarding and stealing what should be for everybody. The me and me alone. Me and me alone. Now, I mean, another reason why they were even quarreling. Who knows? Maybe these, these, these um, like I said earlier, they're just, we feel like we're the originals. God called us first. Jesus was a Hebrew Jew. So, I mean, we are, we are the ones God chose and these are the ones that uh, are sitting in attachment. And you see, th- th- these things, you, you see it in almost everyday life, everywhere you go, from social political settings to religious settings. You, feel, you see people that just feel entitled. I'm entitled to this because I was born here or this is who, uh, I mean, my, 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 my ancestors, my forefathers that they know nothing about. You know, that sense of entitlement. Sometimes the sense of entitlement even comes from the fact that, yes, we are, we are doing life together and um, I seem to be contributing a lot, so I'm entitled to first right of refusal to everything thank you for your contribution but you see church is not a business entity so the value of resources that you contribute does not give you the right to determine how the church will be run there are no shareholders because Jesus owns the church and we are all just privileged to serve here Jesus owns the church. We are privileged to be here. This entitlement can get in the head of of even leaders too, you see. Some leaders would feel they are entitled to rule rather than committed to save. Sense of entitlement. And you see, a leader shouldn't do everything, but a leader should not ask people to do what they cannot do or what they will not do. The job of a leader is to serve. You don't have to be the one to do the job, but you should be able to do it. You shouldn't see it like it's beneath you. You delegate, but hey. You know? Anyway, let's jump back to our text quickly. And... um, the scripture says that um, the apostles said, look, we need to concentrate, right? 
after all, they probably obviously have been praying for, for increase. And when the increase came, it came with its baggage. Cultural clash. Now, one thing that we need to learn is to be accommodating. Because the truth is, because someone doesn't see things the way you do, doesn't make that person any less deserving of respect. Fact is, the Holy Spirit is our guide and it teaches us all things. But at the same time, emotional intelligence is needed to live in harmony with others. The Holy Spirit will teach you. Emotional intelligence is your responsibility. Some people hide under the say the Spirit has not told me. The Spirit has not told you to think. Come on. Some people decide to be rude because no social strategy. We need to develop ourselves, develop ourselves, understand what emotional intelligence means so we can live in harmony with people. You cannot pray yourself into living in harmony with people. You have to act right. Now, the 12 disciples, yes, they are prioritizing. Our priority is prayer, teaching. So, what do we do? We delegate. Delegate the food distribution. Because the fact is, church ministry is not just about praying and fasting and teaching. Welfare is a big part of it. Very big part of, of, um, of ministry. And um, I mean, for um, Acts of the Apostles were written by Luke, for him to, to spend too much time talking about how the food issue happened. You know? Welfare is, is big. The apostles decided to delegate this to other people, and it was straightforward. It wasn't about favoritism. They were not going to pick their, their friends, their cousins. No, they even left it in the hands of the, people, the church. They said, look, Bring seven people from amongst you. And all they did was give them the criteria. Seven people, and the scripture said they were well respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. That was the criteria. Bring people from among you. Now, obviously, when you talk about traits like this, then you know that, oh, for them to have picked seven people, these people must have been respected in the community, right? And you see, the thing about respect is respect cannot be bought it cannot be demanded. Respect is earned. And the fact is, respect is of no value unless it's used to bring value to the lives of people. So, yes, it's earned, but even when it's earned, what is the value? You know? Now, it's the same way that God does not fill anyone with spirit of wisdom just to make the lives of, that, of, of the person better. Mm. The point is, God gives the wisdom so you can serve and impact the lives of people that you have been called to serve. They said pick seven people. Now, um, Romans 12 verse 8. I'll read it quickly. It says, um, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving generously, if it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. The thing is, you do not have to be a leader for the spirit of God to be evident in your life. Because the evidence is in the fruit that cannot be hidden. Can't be hidden. And another thing about, um, about the spirit of God is, and about the spirit of excellence, the wisdom of God is, you don't have to be a leader to take responsibility. When you are walking in the spirit of God, you see things and you take responsibility for 
who you are and responsibility for the work of God. You do not need to be a leader. Taking responsibility to make an impact has nothing to do with being a leader in church. Rather, it's all about commitment. It's your commitment that prompts you to take responsibility. You are committed to the cause. You are committed to the vision. So what do you do? You take responsibility. You do things that you see need to be done. You don't have to say, oh, it's not my call. As we, I mean, if you, if you have questions, you can write them down. When we get to the question and answer stage, we will, um, by the grace of God, deal with them. And for those that are online, keep the questions coming on any of the channels you are on. Praise the Lord. Now, um, I'm talking about responsibility, right? Now, everyone has a, has a role to play in the community of believers. Everybody has a role to play. And that is why it's... I mean, personally, I get really irritated when you hear somebody say, I'm not being fed. Really? <laughs> the fact is, babies get fed. So they grow. They grow and become adults. And when they become adults, they start feeding people. You contribute. You see people that have been in church forever. They keep telling you that they're not being fed. Fed, what do you want to eat again? Look, growth is inevitable. The fact that you have grown from where you were when you got saved to where you are, to even say that, oh, I was being fed before and I'm not being fed today. It means you've grown. You know the difference. That means there's evidence that you were being fed before. Abi? So take responsibility and use that one that you have learned to feed yourself and to feed others. Take responsibility and serve. Become useful. Stop whining that I'm not being fed. I'm not being fed. You know, there's always an opportunity to serve in a community. Opportunities are bound because the truth is, like Jesus said, the laborers are few. The harvest is plenty. It's always been that way. So join in. Put your hands on the plow. Join the workforce. Be a contributor, not just a consumer. You know, the Dead Sea doesn't have an outlet. It just con- takes, continues to take everything. We need to apply ourselves where we are, in the community that we are. We need to apply ourselves. Because you see, even for anyone that's complaining that they're not being fed, when you start contributing, you realize that you are eating again. Get involved. You know, and Proverbs 11 verse 25, still from New Living Translation, it says, it says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Get involved. Get involved. Let's even assume that, I mean, because some people will say, I don't even need anything in life anymore. God has, God has blessed me. Yes, let's assume the person has gotten to that stage self-sufficient don't need anything else right at least God has taken you there so in showing gratitude to God you take care of someone show your gratitude to God by picking yourself up and committing to be there for someone else very important service is worship. So, let me quickly jump out to our text. I think uh, verse 3. Anyway, just seven verses. So, we're, we're half, almost halfway there. Verse 3 said that they asked the people to choose seven among themselves, right? So, they'll be given the responsibility of welfare. Now, the apostles did not ask these people to campaign. They didn't say read your manifesto. It was too late for anybody at that point to even decide that I need to start uh, lobbying. He said, choose. Choose among yourselves. 
Maybe the, I mean, the church, the community may have nominated. Maybe they may have even voted. But they nominated and they voted based on the clear criteria they were given, right? And based on the fact that they had been living with these people. They understood that these seven people probably just naturally take responsibility on themselves to do the right thing. And that's how it came about. And the disciples delegated the welfare of the church to these seven people. And you see, as we go along the book of the Acts of the Apostles, you find out that there's really no part in ministry. Everything is part of ministry. Whether you are preaching, whether you are teaching, whether you are praying, or whether you are serving food, everything is part of ministry. And you find out there's no part of ministry that does not involve a walk with God, that does not involve personal relationship and intimacy with God. As we will learn, as we go further down. Two of these guys, Stephen, Philip, I mean, their deeds are recorded in the book of Acts. Philip is the same one that ended up going out for evangelism, the the same one that the Spirit led to the Ethiopian eunuch that he baptized, and that guy brought the gospel of Jesus back to Africa. Remember, the queen of Ethiopia had met with Solomon before. I'm sure they would have been surprised when, yes, they understood Judaism. But all of a sudden, the eunuch comes back and is telling them about Jesus Christ. God can use anybody. Philip was chosen to share food. Philip turned out to be a food-sharing evangelist. Function of his intimacy with God. And you see, I'm sure the devil must have must have smiled, even danced when he would have seen that there was already some form of argument in the camp of the believers where there was dissension. The devil would have said, aha, this is fertile ground. The, the enemies of the church would have been probably excited, you know? <laughs> but the fact is, that was just a distraction. It was just a distraction. A distraction that could have rocked the early, the, the, the early church, but it was just a distraction. You see, welfare is hinged on money. Money that was contributed by everyone. They were arguing over money. That's the fact. Welfare, food, money, the same thing. So you could say the first, uh, the, the first contention recorded in the Bible about the early church was about money. Was about food. <laughs> and you see, it could have rocked the church because the, 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 the apostles, the, the church leaders could have taken offense that they were being accused of partiality. They could have reacted the wrong way. Because I mean, when things like that come up, that's when you begin to hear the words like favoritism, uh, nepotism, uh, which are our tribalism. Things like that. Ethnic discrimination. Racism. You know? You could even hear words like embezzlement. Yeah, money was a problem, so you could hear things like embezzlement. But rather, they saw the distraction as an opportunity to spread. Delegate. Create new structures. You know? And the fact is, they saw it as a way to decentralize and there's something that we, we, we should learn from this. We can all learn something here on how to do life with people. When these distractions come, when issues come up, it's not a case of this one must be wrong, this one must be the, the, the evil one. It's, a, it's an opportunity to even decentralize. An opportunity to make something new out of it. So they commissioned these people and these guys that were chosen from within themselves, they became leaders. And they apparently made huge contributions to the body of Christ. We know of Philip and, uh, and Stephen that, that stood out. And some Bible uh, literature will tell you that from these seven names, that they were all Greek names. 
They were all Greek names. And the scripture even says Nicholas was from Antioch. So it means Nicholas was um, probably serving one other. I mean, it was probably a different religion and he got converted. The scripture says he converts from Antioch. These guys were Greek. All right, yeah. And they were choosing to, what the Bible didn't tell us is whether they were choosing to join those that were in charge before, but the Bible didn't even tell us there was anybody else in charge in the first place. So what if these guys were just choosing to take care of welfare for everybody, Greek and Hebrews? But whatever the case, they started working and that problem ended. That's a testament to um, the efficiency and the commitment of those seven people. So whether they pick them because of their Greek background or not, it doesn't matter. The point is, they got the job done. And they apparently didn't get there and say, yeah, it's our time to chop. It's our time to settle our people. That's another thing that always causes problem. Settle my people. When we, when we get the opportunity to save, we're not saving for ourselves. We're not saving for our people, our um, close family members. We're saving everyone. And you see, it's not like these seven were directly chosen by Jesus himself. So we'll say, okay, maybe because Jesus chose them. That No, these guys were guys that heard the word. After the death of Jesus, they got saved and they came in committed to the work. They fed on the word and they grew up to the point where they took on responsibilities and began to feed others and the church grew. So if we go to verse 7, verse 7 says, it says, so God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted to. Many of the Jewish priests. You can imagine what it would take to, for a Jewish priest to be converted. These guys were diehard religious people. The gospel continued to spread after those issues were resolved. Satan must have thought, I found a loophole. His agents must have been, yes, let's go and take them down. An administrative loophole. But it turned into an opportunity. Well, you see, the thing about warfare is, in, in warfare, the enemy will take advantage of any sign of weakness or dissension in the camp of the opposition. I'm sure the devil must have really hoped that this is my opportunity to kill this thing. <laughs> but thank God our weapons are not carnal. That is who our God is. Our weapons are not carnal. We don't wage war in the flesh. You know, we don't waste time fighting symptoms of issues we should tackle with God's word and led by the Holy Spirit. The apostles did not have to break their head and call for a village meeting and ask for these guys that speak this to plead. That was, you know, now 2 Corinthians 10. I'll quickly read 10 from verse 10, rather chapter 10 from verse 3 to 5. It says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. That situation came up. And instead of fragmenting and disintegrating the early church, a new set of leaders emerged. They were ordained. Our ministry increased. Intensity increased. More people came to Christ. Hallelujah. You know, many more were saved. And that's why, you see, it doesn't matter how tough the situation may look. One of my favorite scriptures, Romans 8, 28, it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for good 
for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So Jesus was not joking when he said that the gates of hell cannot prevail against my church. When the issues come up, God will take the glory because solutions will come forth. Hallelujah. You know, the enemy would usually throw everything and anything as an, as an attack against God's people. <laughs> as an attack against our faith. Remember a couple of weeks ago, um, securing a limitless future when pastor talked about faith. said, it is your faith that the enemy attacks. And Ephesians uh, chapter 6 tells you that we carry a shield of faith. That's what the enemy attacks. When the enemy attacks the church, that is what the enemy is going after. Your faith. The enemy wants to bring confusion. The enemy wants to bring doubt. That is his purpose. But how we respond is what matters. We don't go running around. We use the word of God. And you see, there's a time and a season for everything. Time and seasons for everything. Now, when the enemy attacks the faith of believers, he doesn't do it once and disappears. There's a time he comes, he goes for a season. When he tempted Jesus, the Bible said, and he left him for a season. So a lot of times, people get worried that, oh, their faith is being attacked. Is there something they are not doing right? Think about it. If the enemy could tempt Jesus, come on. <laughs> you know? And we need to be steadfast. You see, I said there's a time and season for everything. A couple of years ago, the COVID pandemic hit, right? And the world, I mean, everybody was shutting down. Churches around the world. And you know, there were people that were very, very adamant. They complained that churches should not even um, stop gathering. Some of them had some valid points, twisted valid points. That churches should not close down, blah, 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 blah. Well, thank God for God's favorite house. We were ready. We were ready even before the pandemic. You know, God had prepared us for online services at that point. Now, the thing is, that's not where I'm even going or why churches shut down or not. The point is, at the end of the day, many homes, right, they turned into small family churches. They were having service at home. People that didn't like to come to church before, well, church had come to meet them in the house. And, well, since there was a lockdown, you stay at home and attend the church service. You know? That happened. It was a time. Time and seasons, I said. And that season passed. Fast forward to today. We have moved forward. And we are still moving forward. Church has resumed. Physical gathering is on. To the glory of God, many people got saved online. And when church resumed, these people wanted to be part of that church community. And a lot of them started coming physically to church. Because you really can't do life with people online. You don't do life on virtual, virtually. At least only for a season. But you see, some people still haven't been able to come to church. Some have valid reasons, but for some have become too comfortable. Now, I said, one thing the enemy does, the enemy is a lot of things, but he's not a fool. The devil is not a fool. Give him an inch, he will take a mile. So, I mean, for those that are some valid reasons, yes. But there are some that are just, hey, I mean, if we did it then, it should fly now. Same thing. Forgetting that you cannot do life online. And what is church about? Church is about worship. Worship is not about what you are getting, but largely about your commitment and your sacrifices to God, which is your time and service in his, which your time and service in church is actually an integral part of it. Some people are actually forgetting things, these things and saying, if it happened then, it can happen now. So again, I'd like to remind us, it's not about you. Or rather, it's not just about you. 
God wants and he needs you to influence and impact others. So when things happen and we don't get knocked down by it, by the grace of God, we come out of it and we don't stay where we were. There was a problem and they came out of it and they did not stay where they were. Instead, the church grew. More people got committed. Same thing. A lot of people are still at home and saying, after all, I'm attending online. Wonderful. I'm being fed online. Wonderful. Who are you feeding online? What impact are you making? You see, you cannot make a difference in the lives of other people if you are not where you are supposed to be at the right time. I mean, from what we've been looking at, it's clear that um, there was a contention for survival of the early church. The battle still rages on today. And it's very easy to get lost, to forget your responsibilities if you if you um, if you relax too much. You know, during the last GWDI, there was a scriptural pastor Richard brought up, I can't remember, when he talked about sleeping giants. Some people have become sleeping giants. They have become too comfortable. Remember, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So the fact is, who is the church? We are the church. And the truth is, you are either part of it or you are not. It's your decision. Your actions are the manifestation of the fruit of your decisions. So you are either there building the blocks, you are either there giving your time, your service, you are either there worshipping with your time and your service, or, like I said, just being fed. So I like to I like to make an altar call at this point. Whether you are physically here or you are online, there are only two sides here. You are either in or you are out. There is no in between. So, I mean, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if you want to be in, if you want to be part of it, if you want to be part of what God is doing, if you want to make an impact and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, there's no better time than now. Just with a show of hands and a card will be put on your hand. And if you are online, the instructions scrolling on the screen. So if you want to give your life to Christ, you can raise your hand, follow the instruction on the screen, even as we pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the grace to know you and the privilege to serve you. Father, we ask that you breathe upon everyone that is surrendering to you at this point. We ask that you stretch forth your hands, Lord, and change their lives for good. Let them experience the baptism into the body of Christ and their lives will never be the same. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, at this point, we will. Um, Papi is going to join us. He's here. Welcome, Papi. Good evening, Pastor City. Well done. So, now you're here, and it's two of us. So, uh, <laughs> I can tag if there's a question that I just feel that you should take. Even, yeah, that's okay. Even though I can't see you yet. Uh, well, we can't see you either. Okay. Yeah, I but we'll they go on. Yeah, they are sorting it out. We'll go on. We know you are there. Yeah, and there you are. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Nice. Hallelujah. Okay, so do we have any questions? Comments? Protests? Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have questions online as well? 
Yeah, the, the, the passage of scripture is about protest, actually. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. It's not about protest. <laughs> well, while we wait for, for questions, if there are any, um, uh -huh. Papi, I'd like to ask, um, I mean, you've been, in, in, um, you've been a pastor for quite a while now, so you understand the politics that come around leading people. You would have seen a lot of uh, grumbling, complaints, <laughs> entitlement, sense of entitlement. <laughs> now, I mean, we, it's not like, we, I mean, the, the scripture didn't tell us exactly how, I mean, all that went down, but we know that this is how the disciples handled it in those days. I mean, how do you manage? All the the bickerings that come in. <laughs> Hopefully, no fisticuffs. But <laughs> well, I mean, um, you have been a part of some of that <laughs> yourself. So, <laughs> so do you, do you want to start with um, your experience? What has your experience been? Um, being a part of 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 that, you know, from from where you stand, what do you see? How do you see the situation handled? <laughs> it's like I'm twisting the question back at you, but I'm going to answer your question though. Oh yeah, I, I just want you. To... I understand. Now you see, the, the thing is, by the grace of God, I know people will always be people. A lot of times a lot of times, people are driven by their emotions. They are driven by their emotions and um, they try to validate these emotions by even sometimes quoting scripture to say, I mean, exactly. But the thing is, when I speak to people, a lot of times, the first thing I ask, I mean, if I have to deal with you one-on-one, -on -one, do you want to hear the truth? The truth. Sometimes, nobody will say they don't want to hear the truth. But you know they don't want to hear the truth. But eventually, you still tell them the truth. Because the truth is, what is bad is wrong. It's not about you. A lot of times, we only see things from our own side of the, I mean, of the lens. Most people just, because of their emotions, they don't want to think about the other side. So they see from their side, there's this sense of entitlement, and they say, I mean, even the issue of when I said respect is earned. Some people will say they demand respect. Well, if you demand respect, then do the work. The bickering comes, at the end of the day, it still boils down to the parties involved. Do they want to move forward? Because at the end of the day, everybody tells their side of the story, their own version of the story. This, uh, this I don't know if it's still raising because when people talk about my truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My truth, the truth. Yeah. Some people will tell you this is my truth. Well, I don't know when people started buying truth, but the truth is what it is. Your truth, their truth, the truth is what it is. The point is, the truth must be said, and those that cannot take the truth. Sometimes they end up storming away. But the truth is, the truth cannot change. So at the end of the day, sometimes I, I, I try to start from pampering, but the truth must, it must land. This is where we are going to. <laughs> That's how I, I handle. And unfortunately, um, I don't know if I've, I've shared this before. I think I've shared it with you before that there's someone I, I actually told the truth one time, and the guy left church. I felt really bad. I tried to reach him. I tried a lot, but hey, the truth cannot change because we want you to stay there. The truth is what it is. That's been my experience. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, respect is is commanded, not demanded. Um, 
like you said, you earn it. It's you command it. Um, so from from my experience, it's been different. Um, it's usually different based on what it is, but the the response, the opportunity it gives, is mostly the same. So if you check scriptures consistently, God God can stand many things, but it doesn't appear that God can stand complaining. You know, it doesn't it doesn't appear that the Holy Spirit likes grumbling. It doesn't appear that God can stand people that grumble and complain. You know, um, from the children of Israel to down to the book of Acts, we see we see that uh, happening consistently. However, from as a leader, um, it always provides an opportunity, an opportunity to pivot, an opportunity to to grow the organization, an opportunity to even steer the organization in a different direction, or an opportunity to um, enhance leadership, like like we saw in the case of Acts of Apostles. You know, the um, deacons were empowered and the leadership was enhanced. So yeah, my experience has been um, to keep your eyes on the big picture. However, it will surprise you to note that that the composition of these deacons, these seven deacons, um, um, was mainly from a certain quote-unquote tribe it will surprise you or you to note that some people will have left the early church because their tribe men were not a part of those leadership. <laughs> you know, so so in the issue of um, of the the widows not being catered for the food not going around, you know, became very quickly a tribal issue. Became tribalistic. They became tribalistic about it. So. A, and the leadership composition, I'm sure it's, it became a tribal issue. And people, I'm sure, will still have left. Even though the problem was solved, people will still have left. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the gospel still grew. <laughs> As a bottom line. Yeah, because I think a lot of times some people forget that they cannot be bigger than God's plan. Uh. So, really, there are people that think that now I'm upset, and if I walk away, if I walk away, these people will see something. <laughs> uh, oh, I mean, it just shows what arrogance has existed, the level of arrogance that has existed in their heart already. Because that arrogance did not just manifest or come into existence when that problem occurred. So their arrogance was there already. They see themselves as the assistants to the Holy Spirit. So if I leave, then the Holy Ghost will pack his bag, not knowing that even if you are the assistant, that's all you are. The assistant. <laughs> if your guy does not leave and you leave, then you're in trouble. Yeah. Somebody else will just take the place. Jesus chose 12. One was the devil and he was replaced. Of course. You know, there's, there's, I always try to tell people that look, when, um, uh, which part of scripture is this? That when Jesus was saying, if they don't cry out, the stones will cry out. The thing is, God must be glorified. The last Amen. thing we want to be, the last place anybody wants to be is in that situation where you are saying, it's either my way or God will not be glorified in this place. Ha, that's a uh. big problem. Uh. That's a fallacy. When the Bible says you should take heed lest you fall, that is where the person has forgotten and is thinking that... Uh, I, I am where I am because I worked hard. Let he that thinks he stands. Stand. Take heed. You see, that, the, the, that scripture is, is beautiful because it says, he that thinks he stands. So the moment you 
think you are standing, you are about to fall. The moment you think, oh, you got it all together, you got it, oh, I'm, I'm better than a certain group of people. Oh, you know, some people don't measure up to my standard. It's, a, it's, it's pride coming before the fall, you know? So that's it. Exactly, assumptions. <laughs> okay, um, okay, we have a question. Good evening, Pastor Sotin. Good evening, Papi. Good, Good evening, evening, everyone. Um, verse 5 says, Everyone liked the idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit. I'm just curious. I, I'm not, I don't even know if it's a question, really, but I'm curious. Why is it only Stephen, out of all the others, that um, it was stated categorically as a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit? And does it mean anything? I mean... Thank you. Okay, you see, they were given um, a criteria to choose people, right? It says the criteria was a, what is that scripture? The criteria they were to use is um, wisdom and, um, uh, where is it again? Uh, Samem, can you help me with that scripture on the screen? Uh, don't worry, I'll just open it. Verse 3 says, um, And so, brothers, select seven men who are well respected and are full of spirit and wisdom. Right? So, number one, I don't think they would have taken Stephen alone. Then, say, oh, this one will make up for the spirit and wisdom for the remaining guys. No. But, you know, in, um, in the midst of equals, some are more gifted than others. You get what I mean? They all, obviously, the criteria was, was straightforward. And they picked seven people with that. But Stephen Obviously, and I mean, if you go further down the book of Acts, you'll see eventually how it panned out for Stephen. Stephen was probably on another level. Stephen was probably um, maybe more intimate, or maybe the Holy God himself had carved out exactly how he wanted Stephen to walk, and that intimacy with God was evident in the life of Stephen. So, I mean, for them to have particularly mentioned that he was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, come to think of it, the way Stephen died, <laughs> that was not small faith too. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, I mean, for, for it to have been mentioned particularly, then it means, yes, they were all filled with God's wisdom, but Stephen must have been, must have been on uh, that level. Papi, you want to add something to it? Or? Ah, well, I mean, you, just like you said, you know, even though the, the criteria for choosing everybody was the same, there are uh, usually um, the one or two people that would stand out in, in any group. I mean, it is what it is, you know? I mean, uh, uh, some people will just stand out. That's just how it is. You know, so Stephen, I mean, stood out, you know, and um, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean the others were not full of the Holy Ghost. Of course they were, you know, and, um, you know, some people, uh, you have those people that we are Christians, right? But some people, when you look at it, they say, this that the rest of us are Christians, you know, uh, you know, so stuff like that, so. Yeah, that's what I would say. Thank you, sir. So, Stephen was just uh, one of those standout guys. Okay, um, uh, let me ask any other question. Let me ask another question, Papi. Now, um, the way verse 7 talked about Jewish priests were converted, the work grew. Now, this is the first time since the book of Acts. I mean, it's been talking about 
large numbers of people were con- uh, converted. They came to Christ when the the there was um, baptism of the Holy of the Holy Spirit. Big manifestation when um, Peter and John performed that miracle. A lot of people got saved. But in this case, it didn't talk about a major miracle or a major teaching. Or, but the scripture said Jewish priests. This is the first time we're talking about the priests actually believing and being converted. Now, we know the Bible doesn't just mention anything to fill in the gaps. So, I'm thinking, that must be key. Now, is it possible that the reason this happened was, because this was a different type of, um, evangel- of um, ministration at this point, welfare. It was a case of just them dealing with welfare. So, is it possible that this was, it was the welfare thing. The, the priests probably saw what kind of love is this? Or it was just their time? <laughs> what do you think, sir? Well, it's, 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 a, it's a, definitely a combination because um, the social responsibility of the church many times communicates very deeply to certain group of people. So in, in a city, let's say, city that a church is in, we take care of people's social needs, like feeding, basic, you know. E for 50. And e for 50, exactly. So, so there are people kitchen. that will, so kitchen, there are people that will be like, oh, okay, 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 you know. This makes sense, you know. This 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 looks like God. This looks like love, you know. Rather than you know the preaching of the Holy Ghost when the Holy Ghost came down, you know, uh, Peter stood up and preached, you know, powerfully uh, on on on. We're not drunk. How it was the fulfillment of the promise and all that stuff. And the priests probably heard and they they're like, okay, we are watching. You know, and they did not respond to that, you know, but they responded at the time um, when, they, when they took care of the, of, of the social needs of the people. So, yeah, there are certain doors that will not open until the church becomes practical. Thank you, sir. Until the church becomes practical in the love that it teaches. It just reminds me, I mean, it takes me back to the scripture we've been using for securing a limitless future. The priest died, and it was apparent that his family was out in the cold. Oh. So, most likely, that's what those priests had been used to. They probably were used to your, your old man. And all of a sudden, there is the church. I mean, they, they, they understood Jehovah can save. They understood God can do miracles. So maybe the miracles didn't move them. Huh. They understood the Holy Spirit can fill people. So maybe the Holy Spirit didn't move them either. But they probably have never experienced that kind of love where the man is dead he doesn't even have children to take care, old enough to take care of the widows, and the church is responsible for the widows. So, I mean, God, ministry is not just about prayer, fasting, teaching, preaching, miracles. There's a key component, welfare, which like you said, ministers to certain people. Praise the Lord. And we thank God for, we thank God for God's right house. That God has given us the grace. Yes, God has given Amen. us that grace to take welfare seriously. From Rafa Convenance to, I mean, there are communities out, I think it was Pastor Richard I was showing in the last Everything for 50. I showed that a lady I said, since the first time we started E450, that must have been 2013 or 12, 
Can't remember now. That far, that lady has always shown up. She was a young girl at that point. There was one I saw she was pregnant. Now, one of the reasons I even recognize lady was she has only been a troublemaker. So, I mean, you know those people that, <laughs> that fight on the queue, you know? But every God did. When we moved from Ikota to different, the only place she didn't come was when we went to Itobu. <laughs> Across the water. <laughs> really, that's the only one I did not see her. Well, whatever it is, for somebody like that, E450 is God sent to her. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So the, the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. The Lord make his shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Amen. The Lord make his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. So it is and shall be. Amen. Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Okay, so gospel house, who are we? We are limitless all the way. Amen. Bless you. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.